Have you ever needed to have a conversation with someone and you just really couldn't figure out how to start it? Like, uh, I, I had that happen to me this weekend. Uh, I, I wanted to have a conversation with someone and how they were doing with stuff that was happening in their life. And I had the perfect opportunity. I was in line with them for hours at Cedar Point. And yet, try as I might, I just couldn't seem to find, like, the perfect startup. And maybe that, that's happened to you uh, when you wanted to ask someone to homecoming. Or maybe you, uh, you needed to have an important conversation with your parents. Or, or maybe, maybe you wanted to, to tell someone about uh, the awesome experience you had at Challenge this summer. All good conversations, all things that you would want to talk about, and yet for whatever reason, getting the conversation started can be difficult. And prayer can often feel the same way. Have you ever gone to pray to talk to God and you just weren't quite sure how to get it started? Like, there there are things you want to talk to him about. There are things that you want to ask him for, and yet it seems rather rude to just dive right into what you want. It's a good thing to talk to him, and yet starting the conversation can be difficult. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. Uh, If you are joining us for the first time, we are looking at how Jesus teaches us to pray from Matthew 6, 9 through 13, which is typically called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Last week, we were looking at who we are talking to, uh, God who is our Father. And now Jesus has his sights on explaining to us how we should begin the conversation. And he uses a somewhat unfamiliar word to do that. He says that we should hallow God's name. It's an archaic word, really, but it's a term that that is the key to beginning our prayers. And so tonight, we're going to unpack this. We're going to look at what does it mean to hallow something? How do you identify what you are hallowing? And then how do we actually do this? How do we hallow his name? So what is it? Well, a good place to start is a definition. To hallow something means uh, that it is, uh, if something is hallow, it means that it is holy or set apart. And so what Jesus is saying that when we start our prayers, we should pray that God would make his name holy. That is an odd way to start your prayers because you are asking for something that is already true. God's name is already holy. But there is like this implicit add-on that Jesus wants us to catch. He expects us to add two words to this sentence, to me. Hallowed be your name to me. Now that might seem a little lofty and vague, uh, but if you've seen The Emperor's New Groove, you have totally seen someone hallow someone's name. Have you seen this movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so uh, perhaps you remember at the beginning, Cusco is going through how great his life was, and out comes theme song guy, right? And he sings a little song like, he's the sovereign lord of the nations, he's the hippest cat in creation, he's the alpha, the omega, A to Z, and this perfect world will spin around his every little whim, because this perfect world begins and ends with Cusco, right? What's he doing? He is hallowing Cusco's name. He's setting Cusco apart from all other people. He's declaring how great and awesome and wonderful Cusco is. 
That's what it means to hallow something. When, you, when you're hallowing something, you are, you are making it the ultimate thing in your life. It means that you, you adore it for how great it is to you. And that's how Jesus says we ought to begin our prayers, adoring God for who he is. Now, you might hear that and think, okay, so basically Jesus is saying that God needs to be buttered up a little bit before we ask him for anything. And I get why you'd think that, but it's not what he's saying at all. Uh, Jesus is not talking about lip service here. Uh, In Isaiah 29, Uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah, shares with the nation of Israel what he's about to do among them. And he says that, in verse 23, this is what will happen. When they see the works of my hands in their midst, they will sanctify my name. They will set it apart. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and they will stand in awe of the God of Israel. What's he saying? That the Israelites will hallow God's name as a response to what he's done. That when we see God's character and his works, it should cause us to be in awe of him, to adore him. And so to hallow God's name is not some formality where we tell God how great he is before we ask him for the things that we want. It's not just something that we say, it's something that we do. Jesus is saying that God needs to be the ultimate treasure, the the thing that your heart adores. And from that adoration, your prayers will start where they should. Hallowed be God's name. And the fact that Jesus is telling us this should clue us in that there are other things that our hearts hallow. And so it's important that if we are to pray as Jesus instructs, that we identify what our hearts are actually adoring. So how do we identify what our hearts hallow? And that's what Jesus is talking about here in verses 5 and 6. He says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What's Jesus saying here? Well, it might seem like Jesus is against praying in public, but notice that Jesus isn't actually critiquing prayer. He's critiquing the prayer, right? He's against hypocritical prayers, Now, a hypocrite is someone who says one thing and does something else. And so, what is a hypocritical prayer? Well, it's someone who says that they hollow God, but they really adore something else. That that there is another thing that is more ultimate in their lives than God. That's what the person in verse 5 is illustrating for us. He's out praying in public. Why? Well, the people who pass by him would assume that, that he's doing so because God is his ultimate, right? He's doing it in obedience and a love for God. But what does Jesus say his motive is? It's so that he might be seen by others, so that as people walk by, they'll think, what a great guy he is. 
he would make an excellent husband, or he should get a promotion, or, or whatever you want to plug in there. The real ultimate in this guy's life is the opinion of others. The thing that he is hallowing is people's approval. And here's how you can tell what you hallow. What do you do in secret? One of the greatest indicators of what is most valuable to you, what you truly adore, is where your mind goes when it has nowhere to go. And so what do you daydream about? What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? What's the last thing you think of as you fall asleep? What, what gets your heart racing when you think about it? That's functionally the thing that you adore. That's the thing that, that you actually hallow and have built your life around. And here's the funny thing, that when we adore something other than God, it actually makes us look very religious. And what is the hypocritical prayer doing in verse 5? He's using prayer as a means to get the ultimate treasure of his heart. His desire is for people's approval, and that desire compels him to pray. So ask yourself, what do you pray for? What do you pray to have? What, what causes you to start praying if it's in jeopardy, if it's at stake? Now, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray about that big test that's coming up or your sporting event or anything like that. But, but when, when your love of that thing compels you to pray, then, then praying and God are just a means to that ultimate thing in your life. Let me try to illustrate. Today was a busy day for me, and so uh, I will be honest, didn't have as great of time with the Lord as I should have. Kind of just read my Bible and ran. Busy day, busy day, get in the car, and there's just something that was sitting on my brain that I just couldn't seem to shake. Music wasn't helping, so I was like, I'll just pray about it. And instantly, it was one of those like, oh, so good, of hearing from you. so good to hear from you, Caleb. Can you tell me why you started praying because of this? because in the moment that thing I was stressing out about was way more significant to me than God was. Very easy to do. See, here's the problem. Uh, we tend not to hollow God. We tend to elevate other things far above him. And Jesus is saying, if we want to pray, if we want to live a life that is pre pleasing to God, then we need to adore him above all else. So how do we do that? How do we adore? How do we hallow God as we should? So I want you to think about this kind of like, um, kind of like riding on a swing. Please don't hate my drawings. I'm not the artist in the family. Okay. His arms are a little long. There. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I want you to think about kind of like a swing. So how do you go on a swing? You gotta pump your legs back and forth, right? You gotta go this way, and then you gotta go back that way. You have to build up momentum if you really want to get swinging. So, what Jesus does in the Lord's Prayer is he gives us two complementary points. Our Father, in heaven. We'll call this the adoration swing. Okay? 
On one side, we have our Father, who encompasses, as we talked about last week, grace, love, acceptance, generosity, etc. And on this side, we have in heaven, which refers to, to God being the all-powerful, everywhere king of the universe. And each one of these realities make the other greater. Let me try to explain. So when we think about God, we have our Father, right? His love, his grace, his generosity, his desire for good for us. But he's not just our Father, right? He's our Heavenly Father, which means he doesn't just want good for us. He is powerful enough to make good happen for us, right? And God isn't just a heavenly God who is powerful and yet so far off and busy to care about your menial needs. He's also your Heavenly Father, the one who is intimately concerned with everything that's happening to you. See, as we swing back and forth, our adoration, our the greatness of God grows. Stick with me just a little further. Let's suppose that for whatever reason, you don't want to swing one direction, right? I think Theo has done this to me before. He didn't want to swing backwards. He only wanted to swing forwards. So for whatever reason, you swing up, and then you drag your feet, and you stop right there. How far are you going to go? Not very far. Because the swing only works if you go both directions. And I think this is where we get stuck in our prayers, because we pick one side or the other. Uh, maybe, maybe you get stuck on this side. Maybe, maybe God is, is the, the, the heavenly God who you see him as powerful and righteous and demanding, and you can't see him over here as loving. Maybe it's the opposite for you. Maybe you, you see him as loving and gracious, but you just can't accept that he would not let the guilty go unpunished. Right? And, and, and what that is effectively doing is preventing you from adoring him, as Jesus calls us to. So how do we fix that? How do we get this swing going? Jesus uh, holds the answer for us in Matthew 11, verse 27. He tells us that no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. See, Jesus reveals the fullness of who God is. In Jesus, we see the, the holiness and the greatness of our heavenly King who will not let the guilty go unpunished. And yet, in Jesus, we also see the great love of our Father, who would send Jesus to die in our place. Do You see, when, when we look at Jesus, as we know him more and better, it allows us to swing back and forth, back and forth, stirring the affections of our heart. This is how we approach God in prayer. Not with lip service, but being moved by how great and loving he truly is. That is the only way that we'll ever be able to come before him and say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name.